Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira, and today I have something Christmassy and very juicy, actually. Of course, it's always unfortunate that somebody dies in my stories, but juicy nonetheless. Before I get started, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in. This is a hobby of mine that I really love doing. I'm almost obsessed with it. Thank you so much. And don't forget to check out Storytime Slayer on Facebook. That is where I post all the photos, interviews, and things to go along with these episodes. And then also, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Let's jump in. Okay, so it is Christmas season in Fort Myers, South Florida in 2005 and how great would it be to be in Florida for the holidays Christmas lights on palm trees you don't even have to wear a coat so this couple had relocated to Florida from Minnesota and moved into a beautiful gated community about one year before this incident took place I hate to put it like this but when you look at the crime scene photos they had a stunning house absolutely beautiful I would live there even if it was still decorated for 2005 I would live there. So the couple we're talking about are Michelle and Stephen Andrews. Michelle was a nutritionist at a nursing home and Stephen was a playground architect. Now the reason for their relocation wasn't entirely due to Stephen's job opportunity. Um, that was one main key factor though. But Michelle had had an affair and out of guilt or shame, she actually disclosed this information to Stephen. So he clearly forgave her and this was like a fresh start for their family in Florida. Stephen and Michelle were both 28, and together they had a two-year-old son named Lucas. They both graduated high school in 1995. By the way, Stephen turned Eagle Scout that year. Congratulations. They didn't meet until college, and they ended up getting married in 2000 and having their little boy in 2003. By the way, they were a super easy-on-the-eye couple. Michelle was blonde with deep brown eyes and a beautiful smile, great teeth, total knockout. Stephen was tall, broad. He had dark hair that he styled with gel, as you should in 2005. And he had a very superhero-like nose and jawline. Very handsome. I mean, I do have to say their kids got to be cute because they were stunning. Now, they had a great Christmas that year. Both their families had come in from Minnesota. Um, everything was decorated, beautiful tree. Steven, who was a skillful guitar player, actually got his son his first guitar that year. So it's a really good thing that they saw family and had a wonderful Christmas because it would be the last time that they would be seen alive. December 27th, 2005, 911 gets a really weird phone call. It's basically just an empty phone line. Um, the dispatcher can be heard over saying that it sounded like a little kid maybe got the phone and their parents were probably upstairs asleep. Love the optimism here. So they deploy to the address um, where the call came from, the Andrews home. And at this point, they're just doing a welfare check. But what they find there is horrendous. Apparently, little Lucas had just been wandering around covered in blood. One of the officers that arrived at the scene actually lived in the gated community and knew the Andrews family and their neighbors. So she was able to take Lucas to a neighbor that knew the couple and just asked him to watch the, the little boy. According to him, 
on a special called Homicide for the Holidays. The episode's called Last Christmas. He did an interview and he said the officer was crying and she said it was the most horrific scene she had ever seen in her life. Neighbors, of course, saw police, crime scene tape, and lots of cars. So naturally, they go outside and they're in total shock and disbelief that this couple was murdered. Gabrielle Subach was the crime scene specialist, and she said upon walking into the home, nothing really looked out of place. The tree was up and beautiful. Toys were open from Christmas out in the play area. The the stairs were still decorated. Nothing indicated that there was going to be a heinous scene waiting nearby. So the downstairs and the rest of the house is in like perfect condition still. It's not until you enter the master suite upstairs that you see it is a bloodbath. Michelle was laid out on the floor at the foot of the bed, and Stephen was face down on the side of the bed. Stephen had a gunshot wound to the head, and um, this is hard to hear, FYI, but Michelle was completely naked, and her attacker had laid her body out with her arms and legs spread apart, almost like you're in the middle of doing a snow angel. And um, by looking at her, you could see that she'd been badly beaten. Obviously, a great deal of anger was taken out on her, and her body was left posed on the floor at the foot of her bed like that they found no foreign dna and this looked to be a meticulously planned crime not random attack the first things investigators looked for was a gun near steven to see if this was like a jealous murder suicide thing and i hate to say it but the holidays are sometimes known for people who are struggling to struggle harder and like kill themselves and their families thank goodness this was not what happened They did not, in fact, find a gun near Stephen. They continued combing the house and find what looked like a point of entry at the couple's back sliding door. So this is now theorized as an intruder entering the Andrews home at this point. So they start talking to neighbors and see if anybody like heard or saw anything. One neighbor said his wife had asked him if he'd heard screaming and he said no. He hadn't heard it because he was so occupied watching and listening to home videos or something. And he, of course, was like, I wish I would have heard it. I wish I would have heard it. Now, he did remember hearing and seeing a really loud yellow motorcycle. Another neighbor heard this motorcycle, too, and it was between the hours of like 2 and 3 a.m. Sounded like it was departing. And then the same neighbor that heard it in the middle of the night heard it around 6 a.m. return when the sun was rising. Another eyewitness actually saw the motorcycle and a man dressed in camo, riding it. So because it was the holidays, though, no one really thought much of it. They probably just thought someone's friend or relative had a tacky loud bike. With very little to go on, CSI returned to come over the crime scene and collect more evidence. They were able to sample all the blood splatter and collect some shell casings. In the meantime, Michelle and Andrew are being looked at by the medical examiner And they do finally find a foreign sample. It is on Michelle's nightgown and under her nails, indicating that she fought hard for her life. The official cause of death for Andrew was a gunshot wound to the head, and Michelle had ultimately been strangled to death. Now remember, they'd only lived in Florida for a year before this incident happened. They didn't seem shady. They were working professionals and police just didn't know where to start. So they decided to hit up the parents of Michelle and Andrew for some information and it really got the ball rolling. As I mentioned earlier, part of the reason that they moved was because one, Andrew had a job offer, but two, Michelle had had an affair. 
Not only did Michelle have an affair, but she'd become pregnant and got an abortion at some point because of this affair. There is an article in the Archive Naples News about an interview Michelle's mom did over the couple's relationship problems surrounding the time of their death. Now, she said that Michelle had disclosed this abortion and said it was actually not a result of an affair. It was a rape, which Stephen had a really hard time digesting this information. I don't think this was ever followed up like with charges or anything. It's just something Michelle's mom mentioned in an interview that Michelle had disclosed to them. But when police follow up with the male nurse Michelle slept with, he had an alibi and was in no way involved in these murders. Now, Michelle's affair did explain some of Stephen's behavior leading up to the death of this couple. In the same article, Michelle's mom said the couple had been struggling and their marriage was like literally on the rocks hanging by a thread because Stephen was interested in another woman. He was sort of stuck between Michelle and somebody else named Kelly. Shortly before the murders, Michelle's mom and Stephen actually had a conversation and she pushed him to choose because even if he chose the other woman, he'd be doing Michelle a favor. Like, oh, I can't imagine my husband in limbo like that. That would hurt so bad. So who the hell is this Kelly bitch? Long story short, the couple goes to Stephen's company Christmas party, meaning Michelle and Stephen. There was a gift exchange and Kelly, the office secretary, oh, always a whore job. Kelly, the whore presented Stephen with a gift and it was an extremely expensive key car ring, like a keychain ring. By the way, Kelly had her long-term boyfriend in tow with her. His name was Fred Cooper and they'd been together like six or seven years. Despite Fred Cooper being there, Michelle was not happy because she thought the price of this keychain made it a totally inappropriate gift to give a coworker. And I got to say, I agree. That would be not kosher with me. So Michelle marched her ass to Kelly and just straight up asked her if she was sleeping with Steve. Of course, Kelly lies and denies, lies and denies. Well, when the police looked at the emails exchanged between Kelly and Steve, it is apparent that there is something going on between them. They had like very racy emails talking about how sexually attracted they are to each other and how they couldn't wait to actually be together. Plus, the night before Steve and Michelle were murdered, Steve actually met Kelly in their office to have sex. Kelly obviously has to be questioned by police, right? They bring her in and she immediately tells police about like her and Fred Cooper breaking up and she was giving him until the end of the holidays to move out. By the way, Fred and Kelly may not have been married, but they did have a five-year-old and they'd been together for like seven years. Not really interested in Kelly breaking up with Fred Cooper, the police turned their attention to her relationship with Stephen. Now, she does admit to having an affair with Stephen, but she says that she didn't have anything to do with um, him being murdered because she was at home asleep. Unfortunately, there was nobody to corroborate she was at home asleep, but she swears the last time that she saw Steve was the night they had sex in the office, which was the night before he was murdered. They don't know how, but they feel like Kelly in some way has something to do with these murders, and they decide to put her under surveillance. With not much else to go on, they decide to start looking at store surveillances in the area, and they lucked out, and they actually got a picture of Camo Biker Guy at a 7-Eleven that night. So they send this photo of Camo Biker Guy out to all major media outlets, and it works. 
they actually get a tip from a bike mechanic at a motorcycle shop. The dude said he saw his co-worker, one, cut out the lining of his camo jacket, cut out the lining, okay, and then he sprayed it with all kinds of cleaners and scrubbed it for over an hour. Who does that at work? Especially if you like didn't just spill coffee on it and are rinsing it off. Like who cleans murder evidence off of a jacket at work? By the way, the gentleman doing this is also the owner of a yellow motorcycle that fits the description all over the news. His name is Fred Cooper, Kelly's ex-boyfriend. Police obviously bring in Fred for questioning and he's extremely nervous but claims he had an alibi. He was at his house with his mom all evening and his mom backs him up. They take DNA evidence and they place him under surveillance as well. Then they execute a search warrant on his home and they didn't really find anything though when they executed the search warrant. But January 2006, the police actually got back Fred Cooper's DNA and it was a match. He was their guy. So of course they arrest him and his trial begins October 1st of 2008. So that took forever. Fred seemed extremely confident, almost to the point of being cocky. He actually took the stand in his own defense and his defense was fucking shameful. He said that the reason that his DNA was only on the nightgown and under her nails and nowhere else in the home was because him and Michelle had actually met to have sex. They'd been consoling each other over their partner's affair. And guess what? His testimony worked. It actually resulted in a hung jury, a mistrial. What the fuck? So four months later, prosecutors go ahead and go for trial number two. Almost everything is exactly the same except for the prosecutors really hammered at him more and he didn't hold up as well on the stand. In the first trial, he had said that he didn't have any idea where the Andrews lived or anything about him. And he didn't maintain that on trial number two. The prosecution also noted that Michelle found out about the um, affair through the emails and her mother maintains this and also said Michelle's marriage was basically hanging by a thread because of this Kelly woman. So out of desperation, Michelle decided that she would tell Fred about the affair, you know, call Kelly out, diffuse Kelly's relationship with Steve. I get where she was coming from. Maybe Kelly wouldn't want to actually leave the father of her child. And maybe she'd feel bad and grovel and they would fix their own relationship so that Stephen and Michelle could focus on theirs. Whatever. So out of desperation, Michelle actually told Fred about the affair. But Fred obviously viewed Stephen as the issue. So out of pure jealousy, anger, and rage, he went to the Andrews that night after Michelle told him about the affair. He crept in and first he shot Stephen in the head, immediately killing him and leaving Michelle to fight for her life alone. He hit her over the head, roughed her up, and strangled her to death. They hypothesized Fred had some sympathy or compassion for little Lucas, and he was the one who dialed 911 and just left the phone on the floor. Remember, the police found Lucas bloody and wandering around. After trial number two, the jury deliberated for six hours and they came back with a guilty verdict. So he's found guilty of two counts of first degree murder, one count of burglary with an assault or battery while armed. He was granted three life sentences without parole. Hell yeah. It is so heartbreaking, though, that this family moved to Florida to start over from Michelle's affair, and then Stephen's affair would fucking ruin everything. 
the irony. Keep your hands to yourself. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Storytime Podcast. I hope you had a good holiday, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.